0: All right, welcome to Slammed, a Boston Celtics podcast. I'm Megan Adelini from WEEI, joined by Esteban Bustillos from GBH and Justin Turpin, our producer, also from WEI and Odyssey. And guys, we're in the we're in the same room in for the, the first time. Don't say "in the flesh." That sounds creepy.
1: <laughs> in the <a> studio. <laughs> studio.
0: We're in right. studio together, which is wonderful to see your faces, Esteban, brought Bagels. Yeah.
1: First if you time... didn't see
0: that, Justin. Oh, a welcoming
2: gift.
1: Yeah, yeah. As a Odyssey rookie, uh, I figured you know you have to to pay dues. So uh, so there you go. And also uh, a belated happy birthday gift to Justin. Uh, first time Justin and I are meeting in person, so this is. Uh, a lovely, a lovely occasion.
0: Justin, how was your birthday? So we found out last episode you were a New Year's Eve baby. Yes. Did it get wild? It did. It was Did public. you end up in jail?
2: Nope.
3: Nope. Okay. I <laughs> Hospital? <laughs> nope. None of the above, actually. Okay. Just there. You go. It
0: was good, though. Did you wake up at home?
3: I did. Yes, okay. I did.
0: All right. So well, two successful. out of three. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the Celtics. So uh, a couple of nights ago at this point now, uh, we're recording on a Thursday. OKC... What I would call a respectable loss for the Celtics. Yeah. Can we say that? I'm not saying moral victory, but I'm saying respectable loss. Although the third quarter was Tough. gross and indefensible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, respectable in the sense of, like you said, going down, being outscored 15 by 15 points in the third quarter, and then making it a game. Um, even though, uh, you know, Shea just Alexander, there was like, stops him. Derek White can't stop him. Drew Holiday can't stop him. Um, so it, it was a, a great matchup and I was like, you know, if we get this in the finals, this would be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that third quarter was was tough.
0: So eventually the coaching staff, I'll give Missoula credit, but we'll just say the coaching staff made the switch of having Jason Tatum go on to SGA. And, it looked good. And it looked great. Yeah. And it opened up this, uh, I guess, Pandora's box to me about what Jason Tatum's role might be at different times when we look months ahead to the playoffs. Right. Because we so often in the playoffs look to Jason Tatum as is Tatum's box score going to reflect the leadership that that we see on the floor from him? Is he scoring at the critical times? Is he swinging the game? Is he taking control of the game? And we don't even though he's a really long, like, he's got a great length as a defender, yeah. and he can cause turnovers, we don't really talk about him that often on, defense, on the yeah. defensive end. Like, we do even somebody like Garrick White recently.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Drew Holiday, obviously, he's a fan. I mean, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, have, have you ever seen that many games where it's like, oh, Tatum is on the other team's best guy? I can't, I can't think of many, oh, like, like we saw against SGA, you yeah. You never
3: see it. And he entered the season wanting to make an all-defensive team, both him and Jalen Brown kind of made that a point where they both wanted to be all defensive. And Tatum was actually the one that offered to take SGA. He went over to the coaching staff and said, he's got it going, like, let me let me guard him. And he did a good job. He was one for four down the stretch, really slowed him down. He only had three points in the fourth quarter, right. which is a big reason they were able to go on that big run. But you're right, you know, you never really see him on their top player.
1: Right, right. And, uh, I mean, part of it helped that SGA was also in foul trouble towards the end. Um But, yeah, I, I think it, it will be interesting to see if, like, that's a if that's a strategy going forward. Um, but yeah, I, I looking at the game as a whole it was also like they just had a bad night uh, leading in, in, up to that third. Uh, you know, and that happens on, on the road in, in January. You know,
0: when SGA is putting up that many points on you, I, and then you're trying to do the right things. You're trying to attack him yeah. when he's got four fouls. And, you know, force him to take some time on the bench or you're trying to say, OK, we're going to leave Josh Giddy open. We don't really care about him. And then he's actually making threes. Yeah. Sometimes you make the right calls. And that's why I'm not hammering the coaching staff on this. You make the right calls and it just still doesn't go your way.
1: Yeah. Also, uh, that's to a harp too much on, on the Thunder. But is there anybody who's faster than SGA? In the league right now, like faster with the ball in his hands. It's a good call. I, I, I
3: Tyrese Maxey. That's he, the only one that comes to mind.
1: Yeah, I was just like, because it wasn't like he was just making incredible moves. I mean, he has some some good moves. But was like he was just blowing by guys like Drew Holiday. You know, uh, one of the league's best defenders, and he was just like, just making a, a step, you couldn't, you uh, couldn't stop it. I was, um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty incredible to
0: watch. Do you have any concern that Drew has lost a step? From where he was a couple seasons ago.
1: I don't know if I have a concern. I mean, that's probably just normal there because he's uh, he's in his 30s. Right. Um, so overall, no, uh, it, it was a, I think it was just a tough night against, again, one of the league's probably fastest guys. I don't know anybody who's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lock him down all the time.
0: So. Again, you said the 40-point third quarter uh, that OKC had, pretty unacceptable Mm -hmm. (laughs) under any circumstances. But I thought it was interesting because I I wrote about this today on WEI.com, but I started combing through the Celtics losses and there aren't so many of them. So this was not incredibly yeah. time consuming, yeah, yeah, yeah. but basically looking at their third quarters and seeing how they performed in those third quarters. And there's this very strong uh, commonality among all of their losses, except for uh-huh. one. And that's the Warriors game, except for the Warriors game, which they lost every, all of the six other losses that they've had, they have lost the third quarter. And sometimes, in not-so-bad fashion, when they played the Sixers and lost to the Sixers, they only lost the third quarter 20-17. to So they only got outscored by three points. But again, you see what happened with OKC, and more often it's, uh, you know, against the Pacers, it was... 37-23 37-23 that they lost that game in the third quarter. Uh, 29-18 to when they lost the third quarter against the Magic and then lost that game. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you I believe was this at practice that you asked Joe Missoula yes, he if practiced. he had any concern about the third quarters? And here's the response he gave you.
2: Drop-off in the third quarter, can you put your finger on any reason as to why, or? I don't, uh, you know, the one thing we just try to stress is can we have a, a focused, detailed mindset throughout the entire game, and I know it's something that's hard, I feel like it's something everybody in the league struggles with at different points, whether it's first quarter, second quarter, but, um, you know, I think we just have to find ways to just stay disciplined and focused for the entire game. Um, start as well, end as well, and then just understand what allows another team to go on and run. Sometimes it's because, it's the flow of the game, and they've missed a bunch of shots, and they're going to make some. Sometimes it's because of our, our turnovers, our offensive rebounds, and so there's different formulas for that, and we just got to work to try to control those variables as much as we can.
0: So did you feel, Justin, since you're at the practices and shoot-arounds, when you asked that, was there like a nonchalance from Joe Missoula, or how do you think he approached that question when he lobbied it at him?
3: I think it was just kind of, it was kind of a nonchalance. Like you said, like they know it's a problem, but they don't really know what's going on and what's contributing to it. But it's been a years-long problem. Like This has been an issue dating back really yeah. since the start of the Tatum and Brown era. This has always been a problem, coming out of halftime, those slow starts. It doomed them in that finals run in 2022. It's It's been a problem, and I just think, like, Missoula's trying to put a finger on it, but he just can't because they don't understand what it is, and it's, it's been happening now through three coaches.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, have we noticed this problem uh in wins as well. I, I I don't I don't know the answer to this. Are they having this issue when they're winning as well, where so third quarters are slow?
0: I was looking at some of the exact teams that they have had this issue against. So I looked at the Magic, who they beat. I happened to just look at the Cavs. Some of these other ge- teams that they've handled pretty well, and yeah. they don't. The yeah. third quarters are still close. Mm-hmm. That's another thing, is the Celtics, their third quarter differential, when you're looking at all the teams and how they perform in third quarters, their third quarter differential is only plus 1.6, mm-hmm. which, without getting too statty with you, just to let you know, that's ninth in the entire league. So yeah. they're the they're the best team in the league in my book. But when you look at the teams that have stronger point differentials in that quarter, they include teams like the Bucks, like Minnesota, uh, the Timberwolves, and teams that I would in cons- the Clippers is another yeah, yeah. one. Teams that I would consider really strong. And so for whatever reason, it just I don't think you should ignore it. even Because yeah. even when you're winning, a lot of times it's not like you're coming out and blowing doors in the third quarter. I'm not going to complain because they have the best fourth quarter points that they put up. Right. Which is what really that, what matters. matters. Yeah. But you don't want to be coming out of the gate out of halftime and letting another team make adjustments on you and waiting until the fourth quarter to correct whatever they're doing.
1: Yeah. Are, are y'all... I guess more concerned that uh this is what happened against OKC was uh sort of a continuation of a trend or this was just like oh new year on the road you know trying to trying to get back into the swing of things what 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 do y'all think it was for that y'all saw
3: It's funny cuz I wrote about it on wei.com last week prior dating back to the OKC are dating back to the Golden State game prior to Uh, Tuesday night in OKC, they were actually first in offensive rating, first in points per game across the seven-game stretch in the third quarter, Mm -hmm. where it was really looking like they were starting to figure it out. They were allowing the third-fewest points in the third quarter, and really, it's been an offensive problem. If you look at their third-quarter metrics, like defensively, they've been fine. It's Mm -hmm. the offense that goes slow, and for that seven-game stretch, they were averaging 36.6. That was... Lead best, they were a 147.1 offensive rating, which is extremely efficient. So yeah. they were really figuring it out across that seven-game stretch, and then Tuesday night happened in Oklahoma, uh, in Oklahoma City, and it just kind of dropped off
0: and, again. And again, Oklahoma City is a very strong team. Yeah. So I know that maybe they haven't been on the radar with some people like the Lakers always are, or yeah. like the Bucks, right, or right, any right. number of teams that you want to uh, single out, but they should be. Right. is the point and we'll talk more about that later but yeah. i i just i wouldn't look at this as the same with the same critical eye that you might if they had lost even to the magic or the cavs or right. the bulls or someone like and that again
1: like one of the best teams in the league on the road you know first game in the new year so uh and, and i guess you know wake Rosbeck. Was on EEI earlier this week, I believe, and he, and he talked about sort of the, the lulls that, that teams have. I think we have some, some audio uh, of that as well.
2: January, February are times when it's easy to have a lull. There's lots of distraction of trading deadline around the league coming up in February. Then there's All-Star. Um, you know, you, this, this period right now is a period where you can easily lose your focus.
0: So I thought that that was really interesting that he brought up the trade deadline. Yeah. Because I understand in past iterations of these double J's Celtics that the trade deadline could be a big distraction, right? Or just something that teams are looking towards, and then also concerned about who's going to All Star Week, All Star Weekend, and looking forward to All Star Break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that he brought up the trade deadline to me, it almost seems like I don't. With the current squad that you have, that feels. Like, it's not as relevant to you, the, or it shouldn't be as relevant yeah. to you as years
1: past. Do, do y'all think that, like, the players, though, even if, like, again, because we, we said last week we don't think this squad is is really moving anywhere. They're not going to trade, like, Sam Hauser. They it, shouldn't. Yeah. But uh, do you think, like, the other players are looking around the league and saying, like, oh, those guys got, got that guy. I'll tell you, uh, like, yesterday I heard the idea of, like, Donovan Mitchell going to Miami. Just, Damn. It was just put out there. And uh, I straight up had a dream about it last night. I was like, and you were dreaming
0: like, about Donovan Mitchell
1: g- going to Miami in a trade. And I was like, Oh my God, guys, emergency pod. I remember like texting you <laughs> in the dream. Uh, Cause like, what does this mean for the Celtics? Um, but do what think- does
0: this mean for the melatonin? you <laughs> But the, the,
1: does that, the, do you think like that's just a distraction across, across the league that that happens, even if it's not affecting your, uh, their uh, own team?
3: Yeah, I think naturally it's a distraction. I think every team's kind of looking around the league and, Especially a team like the Celtics, where you know you're one of the best teams in the league. You're looking at how other teams are improving, yeah. and you're like, all right, now what can we do to improve? But I think they are confident in the team they have now. But just like the nature of the trade deadline. Like, you know, you you spend all this time with these guys. You're with them every day. You're going cross-country flights, whatever it may be. You're always with these guys. And then, you know, you leave someone in that locker room. It kind of leaves a void because yeah. you're so close. So I think naturally just the nature of the trade deadline brings those kind of emotions
2: Yeah,
0: it's interesting that you look, you know, thinking about it that way, where you're looking at what other uh, teams in the Eastern Conference, especially the Heat, who have been sometimes a speed bump for you and sometimes a straight up roadblock like they were in the Eastern Conference finals last year. Donovan Mitchell going to the Heat obviously would be blockbuster move. Right. But to me, it's like you guys are just figuring it out with Porzingis and Drew Holiday. Mm -hmm. I've. I think that they assimilated to the Celtics team very quickly. But you're still trying to figure out, you know, your rotations and where's Peyton Pritchard coming in and when should he come off the floor and all this stuff. And I don't think that the answer is a big shiny addition like that. And you should be confident enough in yourselves not to get distracted by, oh, my God, look at look at who got who, you know, if anything, it's like don't lose sight of what Milwaukee is quietly doing over there because yeah. you've only played them once this season.
1: Yeah, and, and to go back to, to Grossbeck's quote just about there being a lull at this time of the year, I mean, it, it doesn't just apply to the Celtics. It applies, like I think, across the league. We saw, you know, OK, so they had that big win and then they lost to the Hawks. Uh, so it, it, this isn't just a Celtics issue. I think every team is trying to get through sort of the the doldrums of this part of, of the year. Um, that being said, you, you brought this up, Megan, that, you know, they January. They technically the Celtics have the easiest remaining schedule, but they have some big uh, opponents on on their way. What what do y'all see as just how how they get out of this month, where they play Indy twice, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Denver, Dallas, Miami, the Clippers, and New Orleans, and then Indy again to close close January. Why is
0: everyone playing the Pacers so much? I swear to God, <laughs> like I'm not, every time I look at as somebody in the Eastern Conference, maybe it's just. Bias, but I feel like, yeah. How many times are you playing the Pacers this year? It's crazy. You've I seen at it last
3: night the Bucks have already played them four times. What is how happening? is that possible? Like,
0: They've I, know, already played them four I times. know some of it is the in season tournament, but yeah. nobody needs to see this much of the Pacers. Nobody. I,
1: I I think we need to see more of the Bucks and Pacers that specifically because <laughs> I love how they have uh, grown to hate each other in a very. Because I don't, you know, I'm not a expert on the central division, but uh, I I would imagine there were rivals in as much as they shared the division. You know, technically the Celtics and Raptors are rivals, but Pacers and bucks that's like pure hatred now. I love it. So, uh, but yeah, lots of Pacers, you're right.
0: So Um, I actually think that this is a good thing for the Celtics at this point in the schedule, that they have some real marquee Mac. Matchups, as you noted, uh, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Denver, those are the big three, obviously. I don't understand why you have to play the Pacers so much. But those (laughs) big three, I think that that's something easy to stay focused on is to be able to get focused, get motivated for those matchups and keep those as kind of mini benchmarks that you have throughout. I could see there being... I wouldn't even call it trap games because it's not like these are bad teams, right. but Lowell's against Miami, against Dallas, uh, who knows with New Orleans. I expect them, though, to really show up for—especially with a team like Minnesota, who they lost to when they saw earlier this season— you know, put in some of that revenge mentality and, and dig out for a little edge for this team.
1: Is there one game that y'all are the most fascinated in? Personally, I think I'm really interested in seeing that Minnesota game. It'll be at TD Garden as opposed to on the road where they lost and Anthony Edwards just went off earlier this year. Is there one in particular that y'all are looking forward to in this January stretch? I'm with you
3: with the Minnesota one. That's the top team in the East versus the top team in the West. Right. And it's going to be interesting, too, because a lot of the stretch is home, then away, or away, then home. Like, they go... Come home on Friday night, play the Jazz. Then they're in uh, Indi- Indianapolis for two, where they'll play in the Pacers. And then they come back again. So it's like they're jumping around all over the place. So it's like a mental toughness stretch. But like, I think in terms of ones you're looking at, it has to be that Timberwolves one. Because that's the two best teams in the league right now. And that's a team that beat you earlier the season in an overtime thriller. So I'm yeah. excited for that one. Yeah,
0: Denver at home, to me, is going to be, I think, the biggest game of the month. Just because it is the reigning champs and Jokic and, you know, do the Celtics feel like they, that Denver squirreled their way into their championship window? You know, the Celtics were really thinking that they were going back to the finals and winning it for the most of the regular season last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they stand up against that. And I'm always fascinated with Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. that team's healthy right now if they Come in, and the Celtics beat them one nineteen to one sixteen when they saw them in November. What's it look like now uh, that that team has had a little more cohesion? I'm very curious.
1: Yeah, and I think with Denver too, um, just seeing what I imagine would be a Porzingis Jokic matchup. You know, I don't think anybody can guard Jokic, but just how how well can you try to stop him, and what would that translate like uh, in a potential? Postseason season uh, meeting between those two.
0: And not to get ahead of the calendar, when we talk about the lull that comes with this time of the year where it feels like the playoffs are so far away, I do just have more concern about who this team turns into after the All-Star break. Because yeah. at times that's been when it starts getting really funky. Like last year. Where they <laughs> exactly. dropped a bunch of games last year right the All-Star break. And it, okay, do you solve that by no longer having Marcus Smart and Grant Williams on the team? Was was it just a personality clash at times? Yeah. Or is there something else about these guys not having... I don't know the focus to get through February and March intact.
1: Yeah, I, before we move on, I, I I think I meant to mention this last episode, but this team is on pace to be above sixty wins. I think around sixty five. Do, do y'all see? Is that do y'all see them hitting that mark?
0: Sixty sounds right. Yeah. yeah, I do expect they
3: were on pace for that last year, and if like we were just talking about, had they not slipped out of the All Star break, they probably would have hit it. They fifty seven last year, so yeah, yeah, yeah. they're definitely on pace. They're a better team this year, so. I think 60 wins is a completely realistic expectation for this team.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, all right, are we doing take flight? Yeah,
0: now? let's do take flight. So I mentioned this before, uh, and take flight is the part of our podcast where we run through some smaller subjects, not just Celtics, sometimes going around the entire league, as big as it is. Let's go to our first take, Thunder, Yeah, the OKC Thunder. Are they being slept on by everybody outside of teeny tiny Oklahoma City? Esteban, I'm going to toss it to you first.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. Like, I looked it up. They only have 13 nationally televised games this year. It was I don't even know. Was the Boston OKC game national? No, that wasn't. That That's was local. Crazy. Like how, how, like, how do you have SGA and tatum going at it in that fourth quarter and nobody like unless unless you were in boston okc it wasn't in nba tv yeah at least make it that yeah and I, i guess you know look i know i looked it up front thunder finished 40 42 you know chet holmgren last year didn't play uh was injured um but SGA scoring third in points per game. He's uh, first in steals. He's second in volume over replacement player. Uh, which for those who may not know, it's basically you're measuring how valuable are, you are over the guy who comes in uh, off the bench to to take uh, to take your spot. Only other person who's better right now in him than him in that ranking is uh, is Jokic. And I, I guess my my real question here is like, are we are we bad at recognizing talents beyond just like the narratives that are given to us like, oh here's the here are the best teams, here are the stars. That's what we watch. Are are we like collectively bad at, at doing this at doing that?
0: Possibly. I mean like Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would... We're really bad at it. Or I'd say at least on a national because level it's, we it's, are. Like, it's a
1: similar conversation too with the Timberwolves. It's like because they're also, I think, they have even fewer nationally televised games than, than the well, Thunder part year. of it
0: is, has, has to be the markets. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why the Knicks will have the platform that they have, even though they haven't been seriously relevant in right. decades. Like, they
3: had Knicks bulls on ABC last night. Right. Yeah. And right.
0: so part of it is just, I think, the market, how many eyeballs you think you're going to get on it. And in OKC in particular, look, it's one of the smallest markets in mm-hmm. the entire country. And you have... SGA, who should be a household name for any legitimate sports MVP fan. candidate. Absolutely. But then, aside from that, as you said, Chet Holmgren, Josh Giddy, these are young guys that most people yeah. have not seen much of. And so, if anything, it's just like, yeah, they're a sleeper because they're so young. To me, they feel like one of the teams of the future, where yeah. two years, three years from now, we're going to be talking about, damn, like OKC, okay, the collection right. of three guys that they have is out of control and that's when they'll start getting this but it's gonna be like a long drag time I yeah. think for people to actually wake up and pay attention
1: yeah I mean and we saw it before in Oklahoma City when you know during the, the KD years when I was like oh like there's a, a star the NBA has that star they can it's easy to produce that I guess it is is SGA there or, or, or as we're talking about do you think people are still like oh that's who that guy is.
3: He absolutely should be. I mean, he's fourth in MVP candidacy right Name's now. Name's too
0: long. I'm, That's what it is. is <laughs>
3: it is too long. And people don't know if it's Shy or Shay. That's yeah. also something I've realized. Yeah. Also, Chet,
0: like, do you think a lot angry. of... I mean, there was so much... No, Not even just the name, but Chet. Yeah. I think coming out of the draft, there was so much, like... This guy, you know, is yeah. his body going to hold up right. in the NBA? Right, it's right, right. this kind of stupid thing that a casual fan looks at and they're right. like, I'm it's, supposed it's, to believe it's, it's in this team. It's like team?
1: a Wimby sort of conversation. It's like, oh, he's too tall and skinny. Like, that, yeah. that doesn't make it... Is, is it... Did I say it right? Is it Shea or is it Shy? It, it's Shea. Yeah, it it's Shea. Okay, a lot I people thought think it's so.
3: Shy, so it's like... You know, maybe that, like, if you can't say the name right, how's it going to be a household name? So, yeah. I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah. SGA. Yeah. So that's, we'll SGA, that. like, that's a cool It's nickname. a shortcut. It's yeah. a cool nickname. It's like too. it took people forever with Giannis to stop calling him the Greek freak because they, they couldn't say
1: anything. anything cool. You know. <laughs> Just call him Giannis.
0: That took, like, four or five years.
1: Yeah, so, I mean... Uh, what, what does it take for, like, a team like that or a team like Minnesota? Is is it the playoffs where it's like you are forced to, to watch them? Do you think that's that's what it takes for it to stop being like, oh, we're going to give you a few games? It's like, no, no, you're you're the star. You should be getting this spot.
3: It doesn't make sense to me how they're not getting more attention. Like, they're the second youngest team. They're on pace for 59 wins, which is yeah. a lot of wins. Yeah. And yeah. Especially, like, they're ahead of the curve. Like, they have so much draft capital for the future. Like, they're only going to get better. Like, they're in the wide open... their window's wide open I think I saw they have a
1: lottery pig next year yes
3: and like what Sam Presti's done there Massachusetts
0: native by the way
1: shout out and and I forget the head coach's name yes Yes. Dagnall yeah from Lemonster yeah from Leominster. so two
0: Massachusetts and I think he's going to be a big favorite for coach of the year He's yeah, a massive city right now. A war yeah. right
3: now already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What like what they're doing? It's like the second youngest team. They like you look at the, They got wins over the Celtics, the Timberwolves. They beat the Nuggets twice, the Suns, the Lakers, and they beat the Warriors three times. Yeah, like this team is for real, and like it's going to take more national attention. But like I think what like you said, like once they get to the playoffs, like people are going to see how special this team really is.
1: I am thrilled because I think they technically it's like the 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 Wolves, the Thunder, and the Nuggets all are only like one game. Out uh, away from each other right now. Uh, I think looking at at the stands, that's what it was. I am thrilled to see a potential playoff series between any of those teams, and just Shay just going off for you know a potential seven game series in Western Conference Finals. That w- please make make that happen. And yeah, I think
0: I think that's what it'll take to get yeah. more of a national stage, and yeah. I believe that they'll get there because it's a good team. Yeah, uh, we're talking about the team of the future. Let's go to somebody who can't let go of the past. (laughs) So our next, our next take is Gordon Hayward, who said this about the 2018, 2019 Celtics and what went wrong with that team.
4: In my eyes, it was just, we all had too many agendas and, uh, Agenda to win the whole thing was not the main one. Not to blame anyone either, because I think it was all human nature. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. coming back from where the last season that I played, I was an all-star. So I'm trying to prove that I'm still an all-star. Kyrie was hurt the year before too, didn't miss the playoffs. So he's trying to prove like this is still his team and... Mm -hmm. Then you've got JT and Jalen and Terry who are coming off where they're all starting, make it to the Eastern Conference Finals a year before. They're all trying to prove like we've arrived. Y'all were loaded. We had God. probably eight players that had career highs of like over 40 mm-hmm. who were all like arguably in their prime. Were y'all having those hard conversations of like, hey,
2: we get it. It's one basketball. Like we got to We had like out. eight of them. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> at least
4: we do need people to sacrifice but that person shouldn't be me but we still made it to the second round and that was with all the difficulties that we had so
0: to me this is first of all i we're so many years removed we're, we're basically a, yeah. a college career removed from that team it's true and i don't think that anything that he said I, was so revealing if anything it was kind of like hey Gordon you're telling on yourself a little bit right (laughs) now and he owns up to it in in that sound bite but at the same time it's like so, weren't you guys all saying you're, you were just being a little bit, you know, too self-centered right. on your team?
1: Yeah, and that was on the Paul George's pod. what What's the name of that podcast? Podcast P. Podcast P.
0: He's
3: got P. so many nicknames. Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's funny. I was thinking about it last night, how they called him Pandemic P during the month. <laughs> <laughs> that was an all-time nickname.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout, shout out to uh, to Paul George. But, yeah, I, it's, it kind of feels like... Um, like how they, they revealed secrets about, like, the Kennedy assassination now that everybody's dead. You know, like, it, it doesn't hurt anybody anymore. It's, like, it's t- it's so far far removed. Um, I, I think the most illuminating thing to me is just you, we don't really see players um, in the moment that sort of candid, uh, especially about, like, just the reality of that so much of what makes a team successful isn't what happens on the court or the field. It's about, like, hey, can you get along with your coworkers? Can, can you all... Come together and try to put these massive egos that you need to be a professional athlete aside to do this thing. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was probably the most interesting thing. It was just sort of, sort of revealing, you know, the face under the mask. It was like, yeah, these guys like they, they're people, and uh, sometimes that's the biggest thing uh, that gets in the way of success.
0: I think for me, the biggest thing to take away from it is smartly how and some of it is just luck and timing, but smartly how Brad Stevens has mostly avoided that kind of scenario in terms of contracts and what he structured with this current Celtics team. Yeah. So that was a team that had championship aspirations mm-hmm. which looking back on it now feels impossible because <laughs> yeah. you're like that team was so dysfunctional yeah. so much talent so much dysfunction but you had guys like terry Rozier playing for a contract you had multiple guys playing for some iteration of a contract right. and then you had somebody like gordon hayward who was coming back from a serious injury and trying to cement himself still as a star in the league yeah you look at where this team is you got jason tatum and jalen brown Basically, both tied up in their money. Right. Like they, they, they basically have their money set. Mm-hmm. You have Payne Pritchard, who you just gave a new contract to. Not saying that he's here for years to come, but yeah. he's at least set in his money now. Basically, the only and Porzingis and Drew Holiday, who just added, the only X factor in terms of is this per, could this person be uh, discontent on your team? Is Derek White, and Derek White might be the nicest guy in the entire NBA. <laughs> so, fair. so uh, part of me is like, are you guys taking advantage of Derek White's niceness, <laughs> and then you're parading around and going, Derek White should be an All Star when you know damn well yeah, most yeah, yeah. people don't think Derek White has a true shot at All Star. Like, I want to start a T-shirt campaign that says, just like, pay Derek White. Yeah. Who cares about All Star?
1: Well, how many, how many years does he have in this contract? He's
3: got this year and next. Yeah. And honestly, like. You just talked about Brad Stevens. Like he hasn't made many mistakes, but did he make a mistake not extending Derek White before the deadline this Cause year? Because he
0: just he's just gonna keep getting exactly. more valuable. Get
3: this, it just skyrocketed his value. We kind of saw it last year, like covering the team, watching the team. Like you know, Celtics fans see it, but like around the league, you don't necessarily see how important this guy is. And like. Yeah. That was values just skyrocket. It's like that could be a rare mistake for Brad Stevens not extending him before the deadline this year.
1: I, I, I think it's perfectly possible we see like a Jalen Brunson type situation with him, where like he is essentially he has to leave because they just can't pay him, and then he blossoms into a full blown like oh this guy's like an all star, all star, you know you can't ignore it anymore type of guy with, with another team. So Such I, a I nightmare scenario. Yeah, I, I guess going back to, to Hayward though to his comments, you know we we, we not to be revisionist, but. Looking back on that very first game of that group, you know the infamous uh, lob from from Kyrie Irving to Hayward uh, against the Cavs. Do y'all see this all playing out differently if if that doesn't happen?
0: If he hadn't had the injury, yeah, I hate to say it, I think that the personalities on that team and the type of coach that Brad Stevens was—not yeah. to discredit him—I love Brad Stevens as a coach, more so as an executive. I don't think that it it just wasn't the right combination. To me, it's the ultimate uh, case of you can't fantasy compile an NBA team. Mm -hmm. There has to be a chemistry, and the chemistry doesn't just come from talent playing with talent and appreciating each other. Like You all have to be on the same page about where you are in your careers. Not to go back to what everybody goes back to, but that's why I think the big three in the 2008 team worked so well is because all of those guys had been around the block minus Rondo, who was kind of the little brother in that scenario and had a different skill set and they were all ready to win. They were all, it's time to, you know, go out there and get a ring. And that's why that worked so immediately to me. You need guys on the same page. And those guys were just all over the map.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, again, I think it's so much just about how, how we, we, we talk about talent. We talk about, you know, draft pick, etc. At the end of the day, is like, can can these guys all get along? And that's a uh, that's probably like the hardest thing to do is 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 make all of these superstars. Do you uh, think work, these work guys together. can all get along? They seem to. I mean, they seem like they like the the in San Antonio, the the chance of uh, Whites and All Star and everybody clapping in unison. Yep. Like the vibes are immaculates with with this team. Uh, and and that I mean that just shows, and that's that's what you that's what you want out of a of a true title contender.
0: Okay, I can tell you're chomping at the bit to talk about San Antonio. So, you wanted to put this in Take Flight. Yes, that Derek White may be the best player besides Kawhi to come out of San Antonio.
1: Yes, uh, that is my uh, hot take of of uh, of this thir- of this Take Flight. Uh, yeah, look, uh, we we. Greg Popovich, he talked He talked about after the game just how much uh, Derek White improved uh, from his time beginning in the league to where he is now, and then we have that sound here. time
4: here was, what have you thought kind of about these next steps he seems to have taken particularly like this year?
2: Um, my, I just couldn't be more proud of a player. Uh, you know, when he first came, um, I, I don't think he believed he belonged in the NBA. Uh, and to watch him develop you know through the years here, starting with the G league and uh, playing with us and then starting for us, and then taking more steps uh, in Boston has just been a thrill to watch uh, he's you know he's one of the greatest guys ever, and his confidence has just exploded so it, it's been a, a process. I don't know. How, he's been in the league now, what, I don't know, six, seven years? I'm, I'm not sure anymore. Uh, but uh, he's a he's a great story in starting out uh, at the bottom and believing in, in himself and doing the work necessary to get where he is now. So... Uh, just thrilled for him. What
0: was the key to kind of helping him with that belief? Like you said, obviously his confidence right now is as high as it's been. What was the key while he was here to getting him to believe in himself?
2: Uh, just gaining the confidence. You know, that's that's what it was all about. And, and the minutes. And, you know, supporting him and playing him and uh, making sure he knew he was on the right track all the time and, and doing well. Uh, and he, he had a natural... Affinity and understanding of the game IQ wise that I don't think he Knew about himself, you know, he's an innately good passer for instance And you could see it immediately, but he didn't even think of himself that way Uh, He he was too humble, I guess to start out and now he's figured it out
1: Look, uh, we're seeing it now Um, a guy who like even if if there may be disagreement on if he's if he's an all-star just the fact that he's in that conversation uh shows a, a guy who was playing with division 2 ball making all the way to the NBA uh yeah i i can't think of many of the people who've come out of that San Antonio system because usually like if you think of Spurs, they stay Spurs, and the Kawhi situation was kind of weird, and you know, and that that played out the way. Just it Just a little
0: weird, just a little a little strange. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like much with Kawhi. Yeah,
1: uh, but no, I think it to to see the 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 talent that that organization has produced um, and sent out. Uh, I, yeah, White, it, what what he's done, it, it's incredible, and uh, and the Celtics are. You, really, I think uh, they, sh- they should uh, give San Antonio a ring if, if they win. Just a, a piece, a, a diamond of the ring.
0: I, I remember when, uh, it, first of all, that's very generous of you <laughs> to give back to San Antonio. Well, I remember the first game that Derek White came into, and I thought that he kind of fit into that Celtics system immediately. Yeah. And then was shoved down the depth chart a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. shoved down the bench a little bit. And obviously Marcus Smart was taking a lot of the time that maybe Derek White would have had on otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that I hated that move because right. I love Mark, Marcus Smart. And at the time I felt like for the most part it was the right thing. But at the same time, I, I look at it and I go, why is it so hard for... Everybody to accept that what Derek White does is sustainable. Yeah. Anytime that we talk about Derek White, we say, well, he has these numbers. I think about last year during that stretch around this time of year when Marcus Smart was out with injury and Derek White was Eastern Conference Player of the Week and was on this incredible tear. And everybody, we had scowl on our show at the time saying, well, yeah, Derek White's doing this now, but can he do this for a season? And it's like yes. he continues. Yeah. At what point has he shown you that he can't, that he doesn't do it Most of the time, he's a more consistent player than anything else. And so when is he going to get paid? When are we going to accept this? When When are we just going to say, okay this is who Derek White is, just because he came out of G League doesn't mean yeah. that he can't be this now.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess this sort of goes back to my, my question earlier about are we bad at recognizing talent? Is the NBA, like, how hard is so it? So you're
0: to... calling Derek White goes to OKC in two years, and that's one of the best teams he, in the entire league. He goes to San
1: Antonio, pairs oh. up with Wimby, and then there we go. <laughs> he he, co- he makes a sort of San Antonio. But, I mean, h- how difficult, like, how difficult is it to find, like, these guys who... If if he's in some other other place, maybe he he if he like gets drafted by the Lakers, maybe he never becomes the player he is. If or if he goes like to the Knicks or whatever, I mean, how difficult is it? Do y'all think to to foster talent in a league where it's so much like, hey, we need to
0: win right right now? Well, to develop, really, yeah. right? We're talking about development, right? I think it's impressive that he's been able to do it here on a team that's been championship focused for the last three seasons.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I just I just wonder like how many other Derek whites are out there they just never got the shot to do that you know and they just get pushed down the bench is there
0: someone you have in mind in particular
1: i can't think of one off the top of my head but that's probably why because yeah. we don't see them and and we just don't know like it, i'm i'm sure there's a lot of other players who have maybe the talent skill set body type of Derek white but they just don't get that shot um and so it's 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 a kind of incredible that that it's happened but uh you know it's obviously paying dividends for for the Celtics.
3: Yeah, and he did get an extension in San Antonio, so they did see something. It's Like it's not like it was just kind of when he came to Boston. It it certainly he's developed a lot since he came to Boston. But he signed what I think it was like a four year, seventy five million dollar deal. Like that's a pretty good deal for considering like he was a younger player in the league and on a, at the time the Spurs were kind of rebuilding a little right. bit at that time. So he got that deal. And it's like they saw something and like yes, his development in Boston has been significant and it's it's shown. That, like, he is this type of player, and it is wicked sustainable. But, you know, in terms of the development, like, it started in San Antonio, and they saw something, so...
0: Um, so is this your roundabout way of crediting Pop for all of Derek White's success?
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: don't, <laughs>
1: don't, don't y'all remember like the the nickname for the Celtics for a I was like, oh, they're the Spurs of the East. Uh, do, do y'all remember that a few years ago? Like the, that that was sort of put out there. Was like,
0: this like a Twitter nickname? I
1: think yeah, it, it, uh-huh. it was it was it was out about there. So yeah, uh Those are the Brad Stevens. Songs. Yeah, yeah, Brad, the Brad Stevens era Celtics, Spurs of the East. So yeah, uh, it, and now they got one of the as, as I said, I think the only other guy who's come out of the system better. Is is Kawhi so yeah? Uh, Spurs of the East back in, in full effect for for the Celtics. I say.
0: I'm always curious. How do you think Tatum would have done in that system?
1: In with in San Antonio? Yeah. I think he would have been successful anywhere. That that's uh, please don't like that. That's that's uh, that that's a daydream for all of San Antonio Twitter of of, uh, <laughs> of Tatum on on the Spurs. Uh, he
0: just reads when we talk about the Celtics being the Spurs of the East. Tatum reads to me as the perfect spur like perfect
1: yeah like just, just
0: like let me work in this system
1: he is he i'm is, gonna give it
0: up to the coach
1: he is very tim duncan-esque exactly. just like not ever i i don't know if i've ever seen him be like too excited about anything off the court like he's just very like hi here's my quote okay thank you and that's like tim uh, tim duncan who could uh who could dribble and shoot from the outside Yes, a, a, a very similar sort of sort of. Butt. Exactly. So I, I He's a,
0: Tim Duncan is the example I use when people knock Tatum of does he have what it takes to be a leader? And he, is he vocal enough with his teammates? I'm like, well, he, people lead in different ways. He
1: dresses better than Tim. Uh, you know, is, it,
0: is that just an era of the NBA, though?
1: I think Tim Duncan, if he played right now, would be he would show up in cargo shorts and flip flops and a T-shirt. It, it, it would be the same. Like God him. bless him. kind of like
3: Al Horford Al Horford's a
1: little bit better dressed yeah 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 but But like
0: Al Horford's just like straight up button down I mean have, have have you
1: have you seen like the it's, picture of like Tim Duncan like accepting the MVP and like he has like like the I think it's like the baggy jeans. It's all baggy. Yes, yeah, yes, it's great. It's great stuff. Very, the pics from that era were amazing. Yeah, very like two like two thousands core. Uh, it's. I'm know. taking
0: a look now. Yeah, this is pretty gross. It's not. <laughs> it's not a good look. And, I, and I'm sorry, it's turned into a Derek White appreciation pod. But yeah. just watching the pregame shows, Derek White strolling in is always just in like the basic gray Nike. Nike uh, Nike sweatsuit that was given to him for free by the team. <laughs> and I'm like Derek White does not have time for any of this. Yeah.
1: yeah. So uh so no, but I as I said, I think a, a guy coming out of the system doing what, what he what he's done now, uh it's 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 it is it is like you said, maybe it's like turning to a Derek White appreciation segment, but no, like you, you we should celebrate those guys who 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 are doing what he's doing.
0: Are you going to the Spurs game on the seventeenth?
1: It's too much money. Um, and I don't feel comfortable getting a press pass because I would <laughs> not can't be. You
0: sell that to your editor.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would be. I would not be unbiased if, like, because if I'm reporting, I'd be like, I got, I got, I got to be like legit, and I'll be like, I, I just wouldn't. Um, so,
0: what would happen if the Celtics went into? A, I mean, I know this isn't happening anytime yeah. in the near future, a Spurs but went into finals. A, well, yeah,
1: like Celtics Spurs. Uh, I, I, I think it'd be like the Supreme Court where I have to recuse myself. Really? Um, <laughs> from from coverage. See,
0: I appreciate that you have kept your fandom that way because yeah. for most of us, it just, yeah, uh, it gets like drained out of you. When you go into no, no, you media. know I,
1: I got I you know I got to represent it to the fullest. Um, listen, the uh, I think I think Boston paid the refs and in, in the Spurs game. That's the only time I ever done it. Uh, the, the refs were in on it. Um, <laughs> so look that the, the, the obviously I'm joking. The the that home game here against the Spurs. Um, you know the Celtics have Tatum and Brown and Porzingis and Drew Holiday and Derek White and the Spurs have. Uh, Wimby and the power of friendship. So we'll we'll see we'll see how, how it plays out.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Justin, anything more you want to add this week? No,
3: I think we touched on it all.
0: Okay, well, welcome to your 22nd year. It is wonderful to have you here with us, but extremely frightening how young you are (laughs) doing all that you do. And you can follow along with Justin's work at weei.com. He's out at all the games and practice all the time. And with Esteban at GBH. Is it GBH.org? Yes. Wow, that's fancy. Nailed it. (laughs) That's so much more impressive than our dot coms. All right, this has been Slam. Thanks for listening, guys. We will get back to you next week.